everybody. Howdy. I'm Alan. I'm Greg. And we're back for episode 52. 52 of AB Testing. We have now gotten to an episode that is older than you. Yes, finally we're older than me. <laughs> Should we just dive right in? I don't know how to I don't know how to approach this subject. Oh wait a minute. Actually, well, we start with a tangent. <laughs> Welcome to AB Testing. <laughs> if this is your first episode, this is normal. Hey, so remind me, you're 52, so are you a Gen X or I am boomer? not 52. I am 51. 51, nevertheless. I boomer, Gen X. I'm on the borderline. I don't think, I don't feel like, I don't feel nor act like a boomer. Nor, I'm, I would say closer to Gen X, but I really, I don't identify with labels. I'm my own person with well, my own... Well, that's why it's called Gen X. With my own unique values and responsibilities and contributions to the society. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really appreciate you trying to label me. I, I heard a fact yesterday uh, that uh, next year is predicted to be the peak of the Gen X population. The, the maximum Gen Xs that are, will ever be alive... Will only be alive next year. So we're, I'm going to start dying. I'm actually I've started dying. Uh, am, am I going to die? Is we're that your, all going to is start that dying next year. <laughs> am, am I part of the Deadpool? Um, yeah, for sure. That's great. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's interesting, right? We we just this last. Holiday, we we saw George Michael die. We saw Carrie die. Like big players that were key to our generation growing up. Yeah, I think I saw. I think I saw Rogue One, if I recall, the day she died. Oh, yeah. I, we did our road. My trip. team took us out for Rogue One. We did our road trip to uh, Bozeman, Montana. Rogue for all listeners, for our three listeners in Bozeman, I guarantee there are no listeners in Bozeman. But uh, we drove to Bozeman and back, no problemo. Uh, and but we stopped. We we're in Missoula of all places on the way back, spending the night. And uh, thinking, oh, maybe we should go see a movie. Oh, look, Rogue One's playing. Oh, look, it's playing in 3D IMAX. Oh, look, we're going. Wait, wait. Missoula had a 3D IMAX. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> like I was meant meant to go, meant to go. Nice. So we did that. <clears throat> it was fun. And also on that trip. So, what do you do on road trips? Do you take road trips with your family in the car? Not as much as we used to since my daughter was born. But yeah. Do you just all sit and sing along in the car, or what do you do? Uh, sometimes, like there was one trip. When, when my boys were a lot younger, where we basically listened to the soundtrack for Polar Express on repeat. Oh, God. Oh, that song, Hot Chocolate, is fantastic. Maybe, maybe I will die in 27. Maybe <laughs> um, I'll die right in this episode. So we're on this road trip. Nowadays, everyone's got screens, and, and so I turn on whatever friggin' podcasts, and they are gelling out. Yeah, the Tesla uh, has a uh, podcast reception built into the tuner. It's kind of nice. We listened to a few episodes of 99% Invisible. Oh, nice. Thank, thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, what did you think? It's, it's a good show. I actually liked the last show. My favorite shows are the, the last two because they're little mini episodes. Yeah. And they had the episode about this soccer stadium in this country in South America right on the equator and the, and the, mid, the, the midfield line is right on the equator. So it's like north versus south. <laughs> I think it's pretty pretty cool. Little things like that, I think, are fascinating. They have a couple hundred, and so there's a lot of their past episodes that I haven't listened to yet. Speaking of soccer, I was listening to the latest episode of Total Soccer Show last night, and they interviewed this guy who is a basically a soccer data scientist. Cool. <laughs> And it was really cool. He's just like a total math geek, but totally knows everything about the game. And he was talking about uh, the stat called expected goals. Mm. And it's interesting. They take uh, every a shot, uh, take all the shots, and basically it's the odds of that shot going in. Um, like if you're six yards out, 
it, it may be as high as like a 50% rate. Maybe the highest get a 60% rate of going in. Um, but from farther from 60 out... 60 yards out? No, from I said from 6 yards out. Oh, 6 yards out. Okay. Yeah, if you shoot from 25 yards out, maybe you have a, a 5% just due to angles and everything. They've calculated sh- like every location on the field. Take a shot from there. It has this percent chance of, going, of beating the keeper and going in the net. And then uh, they've done models of thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of shots. And, you know, as, as you do with these things, you train them, you use the yep. data to train the model and it's pretty accurate now. So they can look at the, they can, uh, it's just very interesting. I never really knew what the stat meant, but like if you're Arsenal and you take 16 shots and, uh, if you add up, if you add up all the percentages of the shots you took, uh, it gives you an expected goal number. Maybe it's like 2.5. Is that per game? Per it, no, it, it's like during that game. Like okay. in the shots you took, you should have scored two and a half goals. Okay. Not that you can score a half goal, but you, you're a statistician. You get it. Yep. And then uh, it can tell you things about you know, are you, you know, finish rate of the striker or or you know, that should roughly match up. Sure. So you have to shoot to score, of course. So one thing I always say is, uh, I coached a team a few years ago, and then on my teams, I was, I was playing forever and ever and ever. I always said you have to shoot the score. Sometimes like, oh, I want a little better shot. I want a little better shot, and you dribble around a little bit. But you get the shots off, and they may be only 10% shots, but if you take – this is true if you've played hockey or soccer, you know this. If you only if you take a shot that has a 10% chance of scoring, um, if you shoot a lot of those, eventually one's going to go in. Right. Um, and then they have higher percentage shots. So just And also there's – one thing you learn playing soccer is you want to shoot a lot because – you want to get the goalkeeper tired. Sure. It makes it easier to score later. You don't want the guy just to stand around and not to do anything until you finally shoot at him. Stefan Fry in the 105th minute with the save of the century. Did you watch the final? No. You suck. So does, do you know if their model accounts for uh, where in the game in terms of the time no, it, the shot's being taken? I do not think it does. Uh, I think that maybe just adds too much variability. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm sure it does. I mean, um, most teams have multiple keepers, right? How often do keepers stay in the whole game? Uh, every game. Almost all the time? Every game. Always. Pause. And we're back. We took a little break there because, basically because your host, Alan, the A of AB testing, is a little bit of a dipshit. <laughs> and what that means in human speak is that uh, we recorded the first part of the podcast off of my PC laptop microphone. I'll do some blending and sound magic later, and maybe you won't notice, but maybe you're also deaf. I don't know. But we're back on real microphones, and we were just talking about the fact that the keeper, unless of an injury, is never, ever subbed. In soccer, you're only allowed three substitutions a game. Oh, really? Yeah, total. And okay, you, so and they... You, and you can't, like, sub out and go back in. New information for Brent. Salty Gunner, he knows his stuff. So they're likely to sub in and out their strikers, then I would presume. Not, well, in and out. Like whoever is the most tired, usually it's uh, – it depends. Uh, often not the defenders. The defenders, sometimes the wings will run more, but it's the midfield players and the strikers that run and sprint a lot and make you a little tired. Uh Gotcha. So, and maybe for an injury, you have to sub someone out too. That's good to save one. The only time I've ever seen a goalkeeper substitution is you may have a situation where you're getting towards the end of an overtime game. You're about to go into penalty shots and you have a sub left. I've only seen this like a few times ever, but the only time I recall ever seeing a goal, a goalkeeper substituted except for an injury was when the backup keeper is like this rock star or much better at saving penalty kicks. Sure. And, and they'll bring him in because they think they're going to have penalty kicks and they want to bring in the, the better. I think I've seen that at um, either the last Olympics or the the thing in Brazil that we just had, World Cup. Just had? Two years ago? Yeah. Could be. I've seen it I've seen it at least once where they, they switched out the keepers, but I don't remember there enough. There was a tournament a while back. Now I can't remember which one it was or which it is, where um if there's extra time. So if there's a if it's a in soccer, as I educate Brent, the three already know this. In in soccer, football, the beautiful game, 
if if it's a game that means something where there has to be a winner, normally if there's if it's a like a, a league game, if it's tied at the end, it's a tie. But if it's a game where there must be a winner, they'll play after the end of ninety minutes. They'll play an extra two fifteen-minute halves. They call extra time. Mm-hmm. At least in the states, they call it extra time. Uh, and at the end of that. Then it'll go to shootout, right? shootout. What I have seen, I I forget which tournament I saw this in or if it was just a very vivid dream, but I do recall uh, some tournament where if it went to extra time, they're allowed one extra sub. So you're allowed a fourth sub during the extra time, which I think is a really good idea. I think the the, the rule is a little bit – it's a little bit too strict. You end up with dead people at the end of 120 minutes. In fact – I don't know the stats on this, and we are welcome to way off in Tangentville. <laughs> uh, I don't know the stats, but I I would bet that uh, both the rate of loss in the game following an extra time game for teams is very high. I think they lose at a higher rate because they're just beat. That extra thirty minutes takes a lot out of you. How fa- how spaced are games typically? Usually a week apart. Oh. I, I would guess that that wouldn't have that much of an impact. I don't know if you if you ran um, if you sprinted like twelve miles and and hit, or kicked in the shin in the face for two hours, would you feel like ready to do it again a week later? Certainly wouldn't feel like doing it on Wednesday. But you've ran yeah. uh, marathons and mini marathons. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't have wanted to run one a week later. But I'm old, so I think maybe yeah. it. That would also now I'm I'm all geeking out on the stats. I bet it would also depend on the age of the team. If the average age of the team was like 24, probably wouldn't make much of a difference. If the average age of the team was 34, maybe a lot more difference. Is there a team where the average age is 34? Well, my rec team. Okay, <laughs> I'll repeat my question. Is there a team? <laughs> all right, screw you guys. Do we have any topics to cover today? Or are we done? Uh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> so I'm Brent. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, well, we have uh, items up on our... Uh, yeah, quit babbling. Kanban board. <laughs> Shall we cover them? We, we may as well. We already covered it's episode 52. Thank you for <laughs> listening this far. I don't know why, but thank you. I mean, I know why I'm thanking you. I don't know why you're listening. So... <laughs> A little bit of big news. Maybe big news. Think it's big news, Brent? It's big news. Could be epic news. It's definitely going to have a... We we suspect that we'll have some impact to the podcast. Probably not much. We hope not. We hope not. So um, there's a change to A-B testing where one of the members of A-B testing has decided after... 22 years that his time at Microsoft is over. Yes, sadly, uh, we'll have to change how A-B testing is communicated. It'll no longer be the podcast with those Microsoft guys. True, true, true. And all potential ideas of there ever being a second edition of how we test Microsoft, how we test software at Microsoft are done because I, as of next Friday, no longer work at Microsoft. Bum. What the f- So, uh, yeah. So, so, actually, I don't know when we'll release this episode, but let's presume it'll happen before you leave. It will. It will. That's the plan is I think I will uh, simul-release this podcast, maybe this podcast, and then I'll do a nice farewell blog post shortly after, probably mid next week is, is the release date. And, and so presumably your team all knows already. My team all knows. I have uh team. Do any of your team listen? Did they even know? No, but one of my one of my employees just started following me on Twitter. So he'll see the post of the podcast. Gotcha. And he follows me on LinkedIn, so he'll see the post of the podcast there, but I don't know if he's actually listened. It's quite Bless the fortitude of the three, but it's quite an endeavor to get through an episode of A-B testing. Because <laughs> sometimes we get like 15 minutes into the podcast, we haven't really said anything yet. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rhetorically. Um, all right. 
So let me pepper you with questions. So let me, uh, I guess so. Go ahead. You start. Uh, so where are you going? Not even any foreplay. Just go right. Right to right the. For, like, give me, the, give me the money shot, Alan. Okay. Gonna go right there. So what led you to this decision? This, this would be a better way to lead up to this. So yeah. I have been, and as you know, we haven't talked about this on the air, but as Brent knows, I've toyed with the idea of trying something besides Microsoft for at least five years. Things come up, I look at them, and either it's uh, a location move I don't want to do, or it's not the right fit for me, or it's not, uh, frankly, it's not the right uh, financial situation for me. And then uh, a bunch of things fell together. Uh, my wife and I were, we were on this road trip, and yes, the kids were in the back doing screen time, and or I think they were reading. We made them get books. Like my son read <sighs> this, like this five hundred page novel. I made him read it. He liked it. Wow! And and you still have your kids? I think so. Like your, your kids don't know about DSHS. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are good. Uh, a shout out to my kids. I'm uh, I'm a proud parent today. They were both cast in the school play. The school, nice. The school musical. Cool. So I'm excited about that, except now I have to listen to them sing around the house for the next four months, but it's all right. There are worse things. So anyway, wife and I are talking and listening to podcasts like 99% Invisible. I couldn't get her to listen to Total Soccer Show with me, but we checked some other things out and we're talking and, and everyone's want to talk about like, when are you going to leave Microsoft? Are you going to go? And I thought, well, Maybe after this product ship, probably another three or four years. He goes, why don't you go now? I said, I can't leave now. There's stuff to do. And like, what? And we're going back and forth and back and forth. And uh, as I've told my team, it's like leaving Microsoft, it was kind of hard, but I'm okay with that. Leaving the Microsoft Teams team, a little hard. It's a cool product. Had a lot of fun there. It's leaving my team of this team I've grown and built. It's been the hardest. And I was, I'm actually helping to recruit my replacement to run my team. And I thought, this is a rarity at Microsoft. I have this team that is super well-respected across my entire org. They're all really good people. So good, in fact, you know when a doctor retires or quits, he sells his private practice? People shouldn't interview for my job. I should be able to sell it to them. Because <laughs> they have a ready-made team that rocks. All they have to do is step in and provide a little bit of leadership, a little bit of management overhead, and they have this sweet gig. That's not fair. They should have to work for that crap. Yeah, it's a little different, right? The, <laughs> the doctor's selling his clientele, essentially, Whatever. right? Whatever. Selling Trying. an income stream. Yeah, okay. Um, so where was I? Oh, so it's kind of came to the conclusion because I've had uh, I always have something sort of tickling like I could approach this and and coinciding with this conversation I was talking to a company that I've, they've, I've talked to them off and on for at least a year I've known people there I really admire what they do uh, in my sort of investigation to whether like oh, I don't know maybe there's dark closets sit there I exhaustively Googled the crap out of like this company and Glassdoor and looking for dark skeletons in their closet. And I could find none. All I could find was people that, that loved this company and said good things about them. Said, hey, I've seen them at conferences. They're great. Oh, hey, um, their user community is fantastic. And this is great. And, and I thought, well, gosh, that sounds fun. And, and also, they're about a 3,000-person company. Mm -hmm. So when I started at Microsoft, uh, we were a, a much smaller company then, about 14,000. And now we're more than 10 times that big. Yep. Way more. I don't. Uh, anyway, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we talked, and as the stars aligned, by the time we got back home, it's like, holy crap, I'm quitting Microsoft, and I'm going to take a job as a director of quality at Unity 3D. Going back into management. I, I've, been, I've been managing for the last year. Going back to writing reviews. <laughs> I've been writing reviews for the last year. Mm. I just finished eight connects. Did you? I okay. Did. So anyway, uh, if you're not familiar with Unity, and a lot of our, our 
listeners are, because I know we have a couple listeners in the in the game industry. Uh, Unity 3D is a game authoring uh, cross-platform game authoring platform mm-hmm. used for practically every mobile game in the world. Uh, not all of them, but Pokemon Go is a good example. Something recently done using Unity. Uh, even some Xbox games, not even, there are some Xbox games. There's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited. And they've acquired a couple interesting things happened in the last year. I talked to him a year ago. I was totally interested then, but the job just had too much travel for me to pull off. It was like 60% travel. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, but I liked the company and, and stayed in touch and some interesting things happened over the last year. Uh, the big thing is that they acquired uh, two big things. Big thing number one, they acquired four service companies uh, and integrated them into Unity. Uh, cloud build, ads, very important. Uh, this is embarrassing that I'm pausing. When I say cloud build, ads, multiplayer. You okay. know, if I'm working on Xbox, that's a, that can be a pain in the butt. And telemetry. Woohoo! <laughs> and these are not like things that, of course, things that they use themselves. But as a game, as a Unity developer, a developer using the Unity platform, you can integrate any of these services into the app you're building. Yes, and they should. Absolutely, they should. they may not need multiplayer, but they but they may. Right. Uh, they may not, but, but the, they may. No, I was thinking about um, uh. uh a colleague of ours, uh, Jimbo, right? And yeah. the amazing things I've seen uh, in terms of how telemetry uh, drove game development, mm-hmm. right? If 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 Jimbo was a data scientist, I could have only I could only dream what sort of things he would have done in his, the show and tell events in the last few years. So the big thing on the services side is that they need someone to come in and corral their their testing quality. And you know, with me, it's not just testing and test execution. It's around what's the quality strategy, what's the uh, integration with the development team, what, what's all up quality. But they also need a lot of consolidation. Imagine if you acquire four companies, you have four sets of methodologies, four sets of tools. And uh, most importantly, four, whether well, you said they acquired four companies, so five distinct cultures. That's gonna be the biggest challenge. So and they've had these for a while, but my job is to come in and uh, and again I haven't even been there a day yet. I don't start till the till February basically, as I understand it. And I know very actually, I know as much as anyone would know when they haven't started a job yet. My job is to go and figure out quality strategy for all those things. How do they work together? How do they build that same culture? How do you get some consolidation among those things? Which are all things I'm I, I think I'm very good at. So we'll find out. Yeah, and I always thought that. Uh, uh, my kids are in sixth and seventh grade. My thought was after they finish high school, uh, my thought has been for years that I would do some consulting. And I've always thought it would be better to, I would be better as a consultant if I had someone besides Microsoft and Midisoft 22 years ago on my resume. So I thought this is a good time to change. I can get uh, at least one other company under my resume in, in my, into my backlog and show that I can do what Alan does Someplace besides Microsoft. So, are you viewing this? So let's let's think through sort of the pros and cons list. Like questions that I would have is would been uh, your your Microsoft team. What? How may they have sweetened the pot such that you would have changed your decision? Um. Remind me to get back to big thing number two I never got to. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, when I, and I'll be honest here, and, and some Unity folks may hear this, or Microsoft people, but when I was seriously considering Unity, uh, I thought, well, this is a sweet enough deal that maybe I'll just tell Microsoft about this, and which I did. I told my boss and gave him the offer details. And I thought, this would be good because maybe I'll get a little retention money or something or, or and maybe it's a because I thought like it was a monetary thing at the time. I thought I'll get a little bit more money from Microsoft. I'll use this to milk some more money out of Microsoft. They got deep pockets. <laughs> but after as soon as I told him and and started the ball rolling of me thinking of actually leaving, I didn't care about the money anymore. I didn't want the pot sweetened. For me and 
Brent and I have both made fun of Microsoft a little bit mm-hmm. in the past, maybe quite a bit, but it's it's been a fun company to work at, and it's been great to see the changes they made, especially in the last few years, but they're just not a company moving at a pace that can keep up with me, at least in the groups that I've been in. It's And in my, and I'll put this out there bluntly, and I would tell everyone from Satya down to my lowest level direct report this, I think that Microsoft is bogged down by too many people in who have been here 20 years in these leadership positions they don't know what to do with. I was talking to someone in Windows yesterday, and it was interesting to hear him. We got off on this tangent, as we do when you talk with someone like me, and he talked about how that org was doing a bunch of reorgs, and they had hundreds of managers they don't know what to do with, uh, because they've been managers for a long time and they're not, they can't be ICs anymore. So what they, what they do is they create this massive org structure of, of a director with three managers and each of them have three managers reporting to them. And those three managers have three leads. Each of those three leads have three ICs. And they're doing that because they're afraid to get those people to either learn to be an IC or move on or do something else with them. So we have all this overhead and this baggage at the company. And, and Windows that's, is the worst example. It's human nature. Dude, and that's those are things that happen when you have a company with 40,000 engineers and 150,000 people. But with that baggage, you can't move quickly. I, I think as as one of those managers who have been at the company for the last 20 years. But the difference, I'm going to preface that by saying the difference is with you is that you actually pay attention to the world. There are half, conservatively, half of our senior principal plus managers at Microsoft have paid no attention to anything but Microsoft. And you, you could get a job anywhere in the industry if you wanted, no problemo at your equal or more pay. I would say half or more of our principal plus managers cannot. Yeah, and I, and I say are now. By the time we publish this, it'll be there. The what, what, what do you see me lay into Microsoft after I leave? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Damn Windows Ten piece of crap. Right. I, actually, I would say that now. Never mind. Yeah, don't get me fired on. Um, <laughs> Ooh. While I while I could get a job uh, at other places. Uh, right now, I'm in uh, the the best job I've ever had, and but anyway, and that's great. What and I you're was learning, what and I growing, wanted to but, say, but you know, you know that you are different than the others. I do. I uh, the, the way I would phrase it is that there is a glut of high paid leadership of this company that are on defense. Absolutely. Not it, it, on offense. It it burns who I am. And I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Shot time. Uh, I did my Myers-Briggs test, like the long form test, uh, years and years ago. And it's like a horoscope um, a little bit. But it does describe who I am enough. As long as you take those tests with a grain of salt, uh, I like them. But one thing I liked about my type INTP says that I abhor inefficiency, it's, and I do. That's and my when, type as well. And so when I see these things, they just grind at who I am. When I see inefficiencies, it burns at me. I want to be efficient. Um, so I wrote a blog. I hate waste. I wrote. Makes me a good a good practitioner of lean is that I despise waste. I want to grind it up and destroy it. Yes, I hate waste as well. But um, productivity and efficiency are different things, and and I actually look at this from a productivity point of view. I'm like, oh my God, that guy who is busily trying to keep alive 1996 development practices uh, gets paid the same amount as three new college hires who I could eke out um, right now two times their their, – uh, two times ROI of what they cost from their salary versus versus uh, this one guy. Absolutely. Who is probably not producing ROI. And if you look at the partner level guys, it's five. It's 5X. Yeah. There, there's a 
phenomenon every time nowadays, and I think it's human nature. I think I think you've probably done this. The last three partner announces you've you've read. Um, you've sort of done your own judgment of, okay, is the company getting ROI out of this? Is this the right call? And for me, the last three that I've noticed, absolutely not. It, it was it was political. They, um, uh, same with me. Right. Um, also, to be fair, classifying it as political is, is easy to do because there's a lot of the details, a lot of the facts that I'm not observing. And um, different business leaders, the people making the call to, to promote the person to partner, they have a right to run the business as they see fit. And if that's the style that they think is the right ROI, great. Um, this is one of the things that, that pushes me further into data science because I'm just like, ah, that's all subjective intuition crap. We can do better than this. Going back to... So there was nothing that could have sweetened the pot. Like you said, no. money wasn't the issue. Money wasn't the issue. Then I realized, which that we know from from um, pink, pink, and and other sources, right? Once you get to um, once you get to a certain level with money, where you're 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 able to block the fear threshold, right? Hey, I make enough money that if I got fired, I wouldn't be scared. It wouldn't be necessarily a life or death thing. Then your motivation shifts to something entirely different. Right. And Microsoft has no way of offering me the uh, agility and lowercase a, agility and freedom I have in, maybe freedom is the wrong word, agility and maybe even growth that I can get at a company like Unity. There was a period of time, and, and I know one of the reasons why I'm very happy where I'm at right now. Um, there was a period of time where I changed teams and felt like every time I changed teams, I was thinking I was moving towards the future, but I was moving further in the past. I would join that team, and then I'd find out, oh, my God, these guys are executing in 2002 style. And I would change teams and find out the next team, oh, my God, this is 1998. What the hell? Um, right? I'm tired so of solving the same problems again and again. What, uh, not only that, but going further back, right? Um, whereas uh, Unity is a smaller company, right? Yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have some interesting challenges. I can't wait. It, it's gonna be new fodder for the podcast, so that'll be all good. And and I've already cleared it that it's totally okay. I think the quote from my new boss was, uh, "As long as I'm not throwing anyone under the bus by name." It's all game. Very open company. So you can throw them under the bus by title? Maybe. I don't know. Like my boss. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. I had some good long talks with a few of their VPs, and, and they seem oh, seems like a good company. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. should be fun. But no, Microsoft, it just – once I got past the money thing, it's like, oh, my God, why am I staying here anymore? It was, it was time for me to move, and which is crazy. I've been here a long time. A uh, little bit of golden handcuffs in place. I will lose some money changing, but I. it was freeing to finally make. It was like hard. I'm like turmoil. I can't sleep at night to make the choice. Once I finally decided, it's like, oh, that was easy. Now that I – once I made the choice in my in my mind, uh, it's like, oh, it's, this is – once yeah, you make the I'm choice, excited. I want to do this. Once you make the choice, it's back. all about execution. It was a tipping point. Like once I finally said, "Okay, I'm going to quit." It's like, it's like, oh, and like the blood pressure drops, and it's like, oh, yeah, right on. Right, and, and so those moments, you almost hope your current team doesn't sweeten the pot because no, you. It's a big like rite of passage. I got through the decision. Now. Um, Moving forward, like I, so continuous deployment. How does Unity feel about that? Uh, why don't you ask me in a couple of weeks, okay? Oh, I would have thought. I don't that. know, because I, based on my view of somewhat of what's been driving you nuts on the current team, this is my view, not Alan's. <laughs> um, it has been essentially uh, trying to drag the relative. Horses to the fresh, clean water of Agile. No, that's not even what's. Um, that's not even it because we're actually on that path. 
uh, our services are speaking as Microsoft employee. Mm-hmm. Our team services are well on their way to being continuous deployment, mm-hmm. and I imagine they'll get to continuous deployment in the next few months. And the front end uh, is we just almost whacked build time in half in an effort to try and make um, CD more possible there. So definitely the path we're going on. Nobody's against it. Uh, my current team, that's their current goal, is is to get to continuous deployment. So all that will happen with or without me. By the way, you two are on a on a doing a world tour, playing um, the Joshua Tree. Did you hear that? No. Like a flashback to college for me. Right. That's how old I am. Okay. The kids today go, oh, you two, they're an oldies band, right? Uh, so anyway, I so said with or without you. <laughs> oh, uh, gotcha. So that that was the segue there. Keep up, keep up. Uh, so that's not it at all. It was more just, abstract than normal. It was. <laughs> really uh, the weight of it's kind of what we talked about before. I've been frustrated with Microsoft for a while that the weight of middle management slows the company down and there's not a strong desire to either move those people out or to get them to change. It's like, Oh, it's good enough. We're moving faster. It's, it's like when say you wanted to get to say you have a four hour build and you want to get it to two hours and, and some managers, we got to get to two hours. And you get there, and they're happy with that. I'm not happy with that. I want to get it to 10 minutes. I want to keep going. And that's the same thing with Microsoft's change. We like, like we, we were changing it about a mile an hour, and Satya, full props to the man, comes in, and Microsoft is now moving at 10 miles an hour, making a nice wide sweeping turn. I want to do 60 mile an hour slalom. Yeah, so Microsoft that, in general... That, that's not going to happen here ever. Microsoft in general is like that. Like uh, Again, on on my current team, um, I am working on the future. I feel it every single day. I feel like, like w- once we're done with this podcast, I got to go upstairs uh, I'm working on ML that I know no one has ever done before and is critical to the business, and it's just fun as crap. Yeah, I'm I'm not telling you to leave. Oh no no, and and I'm just saying the like for me, feeling like I'm building the future versus building the foundation towards building the future is a critical. You want to have the three P's. You want to have people you like working with, a person you like looking for, working for, and a project you like working on. You love your project. Sounds like you have a great team. I don't yep. know your manager. Um, I had a great project. The people were, the people and the person were fine, but it, I mean, nothing against them other than they, I had to drag them too much maybe, but that wasn't why I quit. I quit because. It was time for me to do something new. All the pieces fell together, which I can get the big thing number two, which is I talked about the services, needed somebody. Oh, hey, hey, I can do it. I'm raising my hand here for those not on the video stream. Uh, and then there was one other little twist is travel much less. Still have to travel. It's about one week total out of every five or six weeks. Mostly day trips to San Francisco where the main office is okay. with a few longer trips to other spots around the world where these services are located. But the um, the big thing is, as I was talking to them, I said, oh, yeah, and we also in the last year, we opened a Seattle office. And I said, hey, what? And in my head, I immediately go, okay, I know where the park and ride is next to my house. I can take the bus. It'll be fun to take the bus to work. And I said, and while I'm thinking that, I said, so where's your Seattle office? Because I'm thinking in my head, what, well, I have to transfer buses. Where do I go? And they go, oh, it's in Bellevue. This is, this is what you say when you're not from Washington. The Seattle office is in Bellevue. <laughs> yeah. So I say, where in Bellevue? And it turns out the Bellevue, I, Bellevue office of Unity is about six blocks from where I currently work. Sweet. Is it in building? Okay. So I, uh, my commute gets is basically the same. It's shorter by about a minute and a half each way. I can uh, meet my old team halfway. We can. There's plenty of restaurants around. We can. I'm I'm barely moving at all. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so I'm excited. Pretty pretty sweet deal. That kind of like okay. I not don't have to move. Uh, financial is fine. New project, new fun. I'm going to do this. So that's all the pieces fell into place, and I'm excited and happy. So I am going to – my last day at Microsoft is January 20th. 
I'm going to take a week off and ski every day and hang out and clean up my office at home. I think I'm going to build a new gaming PC at home while I'm during that week off. Uh, I just did that. <laughs> it is the fastest thing I did. All SSD rated. I mean, it's the oh, it, it um, cost me about three grand. Oh my! God. I wasn't going to spend that much. I have I have a nice quiet Antec box already. I'm going to put a new motherboard and uh, a nice fast i7. Wait, Wait, which CPU did you get? What CPU? Yeah, i i seven something. I don't remember. Right. I just curious. Um, I can I can send you the specs. The uh, Windows installed end to end, including to getting to the high screen. Ten minutes. <laughs> uh, like um, the so you ra- <laughs> you rated. SSDs. <laughs> I rate. I rated SSDs. That's like massive geek fest. Yeah. Well, so I think you know this before, but uh, I spent time as a middle manager in the storage group, so um, perfectly comfortable with with RAID. Um, you want to do RAID uh, striping for the for, if you want to go on the cheap, right? Otherwise, if you want to do like the full blown thing where you have performance and redundancy, because SSDs. Aren't known they're, they're worse on reliability than yep, the mechanical drives. Absolutely, um, but I was all about performance, right? Uh, um, and it, it's just awesome. Although, it, in about a month from now, uh, because you, you atrophy to the, the the speed of the system pretty quickly. About a month from now, I'm pretty sure I'll get. God damn it, this thing is so freaking slow. Anyway, um, so anyway, uh, I'm one doing... thing I, I on that though, if you're about to do that. Have you heard about the the M2 drives? No, what are the M2 drives? I I, I didn't even know these things existed except um, when I was shopping because I always do a Frankenstein machine. Yeah, that's what I I have an old case. So for at, at this point, I have my machine now, and I have my old machine, which is a super nice case. Um, until there's some like super big advancement in quiet cases, because I always try and build a, as quiet a PC as I can. I will just alternate my new PCs between these cases and upgrade the older, older ones. So an M2 is a is a drive, but it's a, a chip that plugs directly to your motherboard. So it looks like a memory module, um, but it's a drive, and it's a. I'm, I'm for those who can't see the video, I'm hold, making a rectangular symbol like a memory chip okay. on a motherboard. Right. You plug it directly in. Uh, I have a a 500 gig version of these mm-hmm. uh, that's where I installed my OS partition so so it doesn't go through the SATA interface it's directly on the bus do you connect them to the, in one of the RAM slots no it's, it's got its own slot so I have to get a special motherboard that has a special slot for this yes noted okay all right and I can send you I can I, no, no, again good, I can send you my so I'm looking at them right now they look just like a RAM chip so I need to make sure I get a, the, a motherboard that has one of those I should get one of those it is cool. All right, let's go back to the, the regularly scheduled I, I, podcast. <laughs> okay, so, so I, where we leave off? I'm I'm going leaving Microsoft, going to Unity. I gave some reasons why they're in Bellevue. I'm not moving, which means that Brent and I can still continue to meet here in Redmond uh, to record the AB podcast. Continue. Yeah. So we got a few minutes left. How about we wind this up? To something more wisdom giving. Have you noticed? Have you noticed a pattern for you? I'll give you some wisdom right now. Um, thanks. Uh, about how and when to change jobs. So like from my experience, there is a right way and a wrong way to to okay. do that. Two bits of advice that I given so many times in the past that I gave myself. One I just gave the three P's: people, person, and the project. Make sure they're things you want to do. The other bit of advice is always go to a job, never from a job. For sure. So I didn't want to just like, and again, my job is great. I totally could have stayed and had fun and done well at Microsoft in my current job. Uh, Just with things kind of weighed out and it was a job that was better for me. And oftentimes for the last 22 years, I've done that by moving jobs at Microsoft. When I moved to this team, I worked on that stupid science project to make Android apps run on Windows Phone. And... I knew it would never ship, and we had done all the work for this product that would never ship, and it worked, and I was bored. 
I don't know if anyone has ever been in a job where they're bored, but I'm sure some, actually many people have, but I know none of the three have because they're smart people who like learning. And when you're bored, you're not learning. Yep. So I, I left that job for that reason. Um, I think the reason you leave a job is different all the time. But for me, it's where is my fastest path of learning and growth? That's the thing I want to look for in a job. That's what. And if I feel stagnated at all, whether it's it could just be about technical learning or or leadership learning, or if I am not, if I can find a faster path to grow and learn, I'm going to go do that. It's aligned like with with my two big pieces of advice when it when it's. On, when it's time to think about changing jobs, absolutely. The reasons for the new job better overpower the reasons why you're leaving the last job. Yeah. Right? There are always, every time we make a change, there's always reasons why you're going and reasons why you're leaving. But you are... Our- you're better suited to make sure the reasons why you're going to the new company, new team, whatever, is more important to you than the reasons why you're leaving. Which is not to say, though, um, sometimes you just got to leave, right? And, and certainly that should be a motivation for you to find the best of, of available offers. Um, but there's been a practice that that – I've done for several years. Um, first and foremost, your team has a right. Your team leadership has a right to run the business as they see fit. Mm-hmm. They're accountable for it. They're the ones making the decisions, and they have to live and die based off of those decisions. Now, so if your business leadership and your decision-making process don't align, right? Well, you have two choices: you leave. Or you try to influence the business leader's decisions, right? And I generally tend to go towards that latter. But if I don't like how way things are executing now, I try to influence it. Yeah, and to be clear, that's not you know that no that, it, that doesn't play into why I'm leaving. No, it's not. But, but I get that you can. I'm trying bit, to give generic advice on. So the way I jobs. get that advice is, uh, if you're unsatisfied with your job, you can change your manager or you can change your manager. Or you can change your job. That, that was the second one. You said you, change your manager or change your manager. Right, right, right. It's, well, you can keep well, your manager. Welcome, welcome to the Allen world of quotes you have to think about for a minute. You can change your manager by managing them up and, and getting them to change how they think about things. Or you can change your manager by getting a different manager. Gotcha. The fact that I have to explain this just bug, is one of the re- It's why I'm quitting, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I've had a, a joke uh, over the last week, um, just the last couple of days on my team now, where uh, I'm in meetings and some something will happen, like like uh, some weird comment or someone says, hey, "I'm not sure why this live site issue happened or whatever." I go, I go, that's why I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why. No, that's why. It's my own little personal short-lived meme. Yeah. So on on that one. Like, I am attracted to broken things. I love me. Yeah, I'm, I love. I'm, I'm best fixing with, stuff. I'm best with broken things. Yes, and I'm creative and I'm persistent. And so, one of the things that hits me hard is um, when I when I try to fix something and it fails. I'm very uh, agile at coming up with a new approach and going after that. And I could, uh, until I had learned this strategy, um, I would do that ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. All right, get up, go back again. Okay. Um, but when I learned a little bit around more, this is about 10 years ago, about how you run a business and how you execute on a business and, and how I play into that business, um, I learned some things you just can't fix. Like they have a right to run the business as they see fit. And if there are a strong principle that they believe is critical and you realize that what you're trying to change is this important belief of theirs, you're probably not going to succeed unless you can come up with ways to prove it. So I have a policy. I call it this three strikes and I'm out. 
where um, I will take a big risk, try to influence this change in a big way. And if that fails in a way that has severe consequences on me, that will be a strike one. Sounds like strike one, two, and three to me, but go on. Now, for me, so, and uh, I have a whole practice on the three strikes and I'm out rule. Right? Well, on strike one, I tell my boss that, hey, this is strike one. Strike two, I don't necessarily do that. And strike three, um, you you learn about strike three because I I tell you that I'm I've accepted a new offer. And quite honestly, that that was what executed my last job change. It was was not necessarily what I prefer because I'm also um, I view myself as sort of a technical mercenary. I will consider any offer at any time. All right, I, I constantly will look be looking for what is a better offer. You should change your job title on LinkedIn to technical mercenary. Okay, just just saying. Go on. Technical mercenary manager, man, yeah, whatever. Um, but it ha- my evaluation of a better offer is inclusive. Like money is part of it. Whether or not I'm going to be uh, working towards the future or helping uh, lay a foundation for the future, as we just dis- discussed. Um, what am I going to learn is critical. How, how am I going to be able to apply those learnings? Like when I started my current job, which now I've been in almost two years, right? Um, they were building a brand new data science team. Uh, I had just started my degree. I was looking for a place to apply this, uh, this skill set. And they took a big risk. And, um, I've gotten promoted once in that time frame, and uh, I think it's mutual now that, hey, they made a good decision, and uh, I made a good decision. Good. Well, you should always take risks. Always put yourself on the steepest learning curve. Another bit of advice. Not the steepest. The steepest achievable. Sure. Sure. Like, uh, you can can, – hurt yourself by going after a stretch goal that is not within your grasp. Sure. Now, you and I at our experience level, there's there's realistically there's not too many of those that we couldn't achieve with the timelines that we're expected to achieve them in. Perhaps, perhaps. Right, but All right, we can continue that next time. Yeah, we got to get going. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll chat again. I'll probably be at Unity. Maybe we'll chat again just before I start there. I'm not sure, but uh, big news. And I guess that's it. We'll see you in episode 53. Yeah. Congratulations, Alan, by the way. Thank you. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you next time on AB Testing. Bye-bye.